Hi, everyone. I'm Denise Garth, Chief Strategy Officer at Majesco, and you're listening to the Future of Insurance Industry Leaders podcast series. Follow along as I interview the best and brightest leaders in the insurance industry and insure tech landscape to bring you the latest in digital transformation, innovation, industry trends, challenges, and opportunities, as well as next-gen technologies. We use our experience to anticipate what's next without losing sight of what's now. Stay tuned to find out your next now. Welcome, everybody, to today's podcast. I'm thrilled to have one of our customers and partners joining us today, Chris Burke, who is president and CEO of AGIA Affinity Services. Thrilled to have him part of our industry leaders podcast series here. So, Chris, welcome. Hey, thanks, Denise. I'm really pleased that you asked me to join you. Well, we've gotten to know each other quite well here over the last few months with a lot of the interaction that we've had with regard to PMS. I'm excited about our conversation. Yeah, me too. Give some background about yourself and AGIA. That would be great for our audience, Chris. Yeah, sure. I joined AGIA in 2016 as president and CEO. And prior to joining AGIA, I was president of the American Medical Association's insurance agency and administrator. And I've held a number of leadership roles throughout my nearly 40-year career. I can't believe I just said that in the insurance industry, and it spans sales and marketing and operations, licensed for life and health, property and casualty in all 50 states. And uh, I've been a board member of the Professional Insurance Marketing Association, commonly known as PIMA for a good number of years. And I most recently served as the association president. So uh, a little bit about uh, AGIA. We're inspired by organizations that unite individuals around a common cause or purpose. And really everything we do centers around helping organizations enhance the value that they deliver to their members. And uh, AGIA has really grown steadily from a small insurance agency founded by the Weigel family in the late 1950s out in California to where we are today. We're a technologically advanced, multifaceted, full-service broker, marketer, administrator. We manage insurance and non-insurance benefit programs for these days over 100 affinity groups collectively representing about 30 million members. And the last script in our little descriptor here is in October of 21, just last fall, about a year ago now, we were acquired by Doxa Insurance Holdings to become their affinity platform and facilitate their entry into the segment. And their leadership team is comprised of several Aon and Berkshire Hathaway alumni. So they see the same potential that we do for significant growth. So we're pleased to be a part of that organization as well. So one of the things you and I talked about is that you've been working with your leadership team and now with your new owner, Doxa, and you've developed an AGIA 24 strategy is what you've called it. And you're really looking at the changes in the target markets, the risk needs out there, the customer demographic changes, and everything that is really kind of driving this demand for digital. Talk about your anchor points for your strategy and the way business has done in the past will not get companies to where they need to be in the future and be successful, profitable, and growing. Yeah, AGI 24. I love that. 20, <laughs> 24 months. And we didn't want to bite off too large of you know time frame. Gosh, things are moving so fast. You know that. Five-year mm-hmm. strategies are sort of passe these days. 24 months is much more you know, realistic. Uh, but I can give you a few 
key things in terms of anchor points for us. Uh, first one, I mean, let's face it, sponsored marketing is still going to be a core element of our business. We've been at it for over 65 years, and we've built significant capabilities and competencies and a brand reputation in this segment. We most certainly want to help our current clients grow their member benefit businesses, and we want to land new clients, of course, that are good mutual fits. But that said, we do see opportunities to diversify our distribution channels beyond current affinity markets and test entry into some that are growing a bit faster. Digital is a, is a key element of all of that. You know, regardless of whether it's current channels or new, enhancing our digital marketing capabilities to an even higher level of functionality beyond what we're doing right now is absolutely vital. And I'm telling you, we've invested a million dollars, no kidding, this year in 2022 to build that roadmap and move us on to an operational phase yet this year for the new vision, it's going to take us also in the first quarter of 2023 to get some of our feet set. But, you know, the upshot here is this direct mail will still be a core marketing technique for many of the sponsored marketing product lines. It's not just us, but you know, it's everybody else, but the cost of paper and postage continues to chip away at the return on marketing investment. So in the very basics here, enhancing Digital effectiveness as a part of your omni-channel approach helps you improve the ROI of the mail you do send considerably. And it lets you target digitally consumers in these model deciles that you might not have sent mail to that failed to meet ROI criteria. But there's a lot of buyers at these fringes and you're missing opportunity. These potential buyers at the fringes look just like direct buyers in the modeling they might just not like how they're being asked to purchase. So we get a chance to prepare that iteratively at a lower cost, but we want to drive revenue growth. We want to get customer acquisition costs optimized for both us and our customers. We want to make the products easy to buy and enhanced digital capabilities will also give us latitude to market some products that were simply too expensive to direct mail given their low premiums or their lower response rates. And, you know, an awful lot of the time from the carriers we work with, there's really no marketing funding available. I mean, you're going to get just a, you know, flat fee or a small comp to do it, but there's opportunity out there. So, you know, digital is really the, the path forward on that. So that really ties into the recent research we did uh, with Pima and that I had the opportunity to share to the community earlier this summer it really talked about the changing affinity and program business marketplace and that many of the uh, partnerships or the channels that have been used in the past are not necessarily aligned with the channels and the partners that today's buyers are looking for, particularly younger generation. So talk about what stood out to you and how that aligns to your strategy and how you're changing. Yeah, that was a really cool body of work. And I'm not just tooting my horn because I'm you know, on the board at Pima and a member of the organization. It's a really good piece, let me tell you. It's easy to get your way through. It's soundbited. You don't have it, you should get it. But here's what stood out for me. A couple of things in particular. Uh, one of them was there was a quote in the research and there were really some very interesting people that were interviewed for this project. And I don't, I don't know who said it, but the quote goes like this. CX experts, you know, customer experience experts agree that the journey from transactional to strategic will likely include a heavy dose of artificial intelligence. Today's most advanced form of data analytics and 
the modern equivalent of the old targeted database. That's the quote. It's a lot more than that. The ability to be much more personal, much more predictive, and to leverage relevant content strategies to recharge, they say in the, in the research, this trust quotient that affinity marketing used to really have a super competitive advantage with needs a kick in the behind, right? And this can do it. This is really going to be a center beam of our enhanced digital capabilities going forward in the map. You know, the other one was the challenge in product or program development to bridge um, what was really called out very nicely as design thinking versus the wicked problem. And a lot, right? And, you know, design thinking, hell, everybody does it. We're doing it and we still do it, right? You know, the stages are, look, you got to empathize, you got to ideate, or you empathize, you define, you ideate, you prototype, and you test, right? Sort of classic, you know, design thinking. And that's, you know, that's, that's really better than a lot of people who do product development think. But the wicked problem solving is to really think deeper where possible. That's a, a paradigm shift, and it's sort of difficult for somebody like AGIA because we're not a carrier, right? We're, we're not the ultimate solution provider in this regard, but where we can perhaps do some bridging in terms of isolating opportunities to both meet consumer needs and deploy efficient new ways aided by technology to make the experience better, and that could be purchasing it or using it, whatever it is, we think we can start to at least do our part to, you know, the wicked problem solving. And, you know, Denise, I, that whole wicked problem solving thing, I don't know if that was part of your big input to the project, but it was really interesting. It, it's, it's hard to get your head around that. It is. And I think that kind of gets into something you and I've talked about, and that is, is that, you know, this whole concept of digital transformation, it's really a journey. Some people think it's revolutionary. Others think it's evolutionary. I'd love to get your perspective on that. And also, as you think about the approach that you're taking, something that you said is really kind of focusing in on the content where affinity marketing in the past with direct mail marketing used to have a real edge on things. That's not necessarily the case. And so when you begin to move digitally, I think there's even more of a focus on really relevant content and engaging content that it's not about a transaction. It's really about consulting, creating that trust and loyalty. Want to speak to that? Evolutionary or revolutionary. I I like the word transformational. It's somewhere between evolutionary and revolutionary, but I'll, I'll pick revolutionary if you pick one of these in terms of the journey we're on. We are certainly interested optimizing existing businesses and processes in the near term. But uh, we absolutely have a roadmap in place that will overhaul and reconstruct so we can create and leverage new business potential. And that, that really tilts us over into this transformational side of the equation. So like, for example, you know, we're going to be putting in new marketing technology stacks, uh, all three of the core components. So you've got customer data platform, you've got content management systems, and you've got campaign management platforms, putting all three new ones in. We're going to be implementing new digital marketing organization where we're going to be upskilling associates who currently execute existing digital campaigns. You know, we're, we do that, right? We're not just sitting there tossing mail in the mailboxes. We, we do a fair amount of digital now, but let me tell you, it's not at the level we want to be at going forward. And we know we've got some competency gaps with new folks that we're going to have to put on board necessary to, you know, operate to the capabilities we really now desire in future state. And then, you know, we got to operate this digital marketing team 
really leveraging an agile process in order to be nimble. If you're going to run a digital shop, got to be working in agile fashion because you're, you're going to be learning on the fly. You're going to be putting new things out there right away. You're going to be leveraging opportunities you see on the fly. When you see one of these really operate the way they're supposed to be, you got to be just flat out able to move and you know zig and zag on a dime. It will be heavily reliant, as you say, on content strategies. And those will most certainly be shaped with consultative selling techniques in mind. We do some of that now in terms of how we market with direct mail and email and some of the omni-channel we do. But what we're talking about here is, you know, in consultative selling, it's in content that's woven in that fashion. It's about how you shape out the situation that frames this risk. What's the story behind it? What's the circumstances of it? You've got to really clarify the pain that this situation or circumstance is causing you now, could cause, and you've got to be really vivid about that and meaningful. You've got to frame out clearly, you know, what is the implicit need that all of this situation and pain leads to really conclusively? And then you've got to come in with a solution or solution set that addresses the needs. And I'm telling you, the trick here is, it's a process of building trust as a content provider without moving overtly into sales mode. It's a nuanced approach. If people see you're trying to sell them something too fast, they'll just flip the channel or click off. You've got to get them and bring them in, you know, like a mini series here to a place where they trust you and they trust the solution you bring in. We had a speaker at Pima a few months ago at our conference out in Savannah. Marcus Sheridan, he, he was great. This guy was so good. He's the offer of, they ask, you answer. If you're looking for a really wonderful job of how to bring to life this whole concept of trusted content development management, you know, go out there. I think it's on the recording at, at Pima. I'm pretty sure if you remember, you can get to the recorded session, but that's the one to listen to. And it's not rocket science. You know, Denise, you just need to focus on it and do it. Uh, but I'll tell you what, if you can combine that with modern digital technology platform, great data, data scientists and AI, you are gonna take that to a Zen level. And that's really where we wanna be. You know, we've got it at a level that's okay for now, but that is nowhere near where we wanna be. Kind of tied into this conversation, it all kind of comes together is that there's this whole new set of expectations emerging from customers and particularly the under 50 customers, they have some, some expectations. It will be easy to do business. It's going to be helping them to kind of make their lives easier. Direct mail plays into it, but also the whole green aspect, green orientation, yeah. because yeah. that younger generation is very aligned to wanting to make sure that companies are socially responsible and green is a big factor of that. And so that really kind of gives a whole different kind of digital engagement kind of perspective in there. What are you kind of seeing that has really kind of shifted there? Well, on the green piece, for example, this is interesting. It's subtle. I am seeing some marketers talk a little bit more about their technique, but others are doing it really kind of quietly. I, I was flipping through a magazine on, the air, on an airplane the other day. It was really pretty interesting. It wasn't anything fancy. It was like one of these, you know, I was sitting next to my wife and she had some cooking magazines. We, we like to <laughs> enjoy cooking and <laughs> flipping this thing open. <laughs> and there's an article in there. It's like four stacked little mini teasers about the articles. And there's QR codes sitting in these little stacked little mini teasers. And what you do is you just hover your iPad over them and open the dang things up like you're opening a menu up in 
you know, a restaurant these days, you know, especially during the COVID time where everybody had to get used to doing it. And this beautiful, I couldn't do it on the plane, but I could do it when I got down. This beautiful article pops up with embedded graphics and embedded video, and it's a hell of a lot better than the paper article would have ever been. But it was a subtle move to digital where this magazine would have probably printed eight pages maybe for four articles, and they cut down way on their paper. And the article presentation for me was, I enjoyed it a lot better. So that's sort of these subtle techniques. But I, I think in terms of the under 50 segment, the new expectations, and you said it's all about convenience. It's like, man, these mobile devices were, were packing in our pockets and purses. You've got to be able to quickly act on a desire to solve a problem or close a risk from a consumer perspective. And from you know, association or affinity group perspective in our sponsored marketing, which is B2B to C, you know, optimizing their ability to provide member benefits in meaningful, cost-effective ways in order to attract and retain members of their organizations. It's not new, but the challenges are really, you know, many. And especially if you're seeing everybody else doing distribution models, all pivoting around direct mail and email, it's just not going to fly with these younger consumers. And you can only imagine new expectations that associations and affinity groups are going to have after they see a super savvy digital marketer in action. And there aren't that many of them out there right now. I'm just telling you. The under 50 consumers are driving the affinity marketing tactics. So we talked about it, you know, content is a super magnet, you know, combined with trusted co-branding, you know, the imprimatur of the sponsoring organization. And it can escort you right into a consideration set, but then it's up to you to deliver a convenient experience to get them what they want. And that's what digital engagement, you know, in our opinion, is more often than not. It's at least one that starts there and involves into a concierge experience if the product complexity is high and, you know, folks might need a navigator to feel good about their decision making. But direct mail, it's, I'm just telling you, it's, it's still going to be a, core element of what's going on out there. But like I said, I've seen some really interesting, quick maneuvers from a direct mail kit that might've had five pages in it to one that's got one in it that takes you onto a digital journey that's less paper, much more interesting and digitally remarkable. It's, you know, jury's out, but I think there's some cool stuff. I think that one of the things that we kind of highlighted in that Pima research was really looking at the demographics between the different generational groups, Mm -hmm. but also not only the channels and the partners that we talked about previously, but also the products. And there's some real market opportunities out there, you know, for different kinds of products going through some different kinds of channels or partners from an affinity standpoint particularly in the group and benefits segment, which I know you guys really focus in on. What are you seeing as different products, you know, that are really of interest to this segment? What are you doing with your customers? Yeah, we we talked about this a little bit where some of the products, we couldn't even sell them because they were so thinly funded from a marketing perspective. Uh, We just couldn't get them out there. Digital is going to be the pathway for that. It's going to open up really a gate to uh, ways to, to solve problems. You know, for example, in the group benefits, whether it's employer or association group. For example, if, if I'm a consumer and I know 
I need more life insurance. Question is, how much can I afford and how much of a hassle it is to get it? If the answers are, hey, it's less than I thought and it's pretty easy, that's good, right? And digital is runway for that. These solution bundles, be they be they dental or vision, cyber protection for, for you at home, ID theft protections, warranty products, and pet insurance. I mean, can you imagine like the one-stop shopping that's easy to create solution bundles that are that would make sense for consumers that you're targeting? And I think, you know, that's sort of the last point in, in here that I would point to is like, you know, the biggest thing to think about coming at this is from, you know, we talk about design thinking, trying to transition over to, you know, wicked problem solving. The other one is coming at it from a consumer centric perspective, you know, for your targets, do you really have a persona developed to help you put yourself into their shoes? You know, what their life is all about right now, what are the situations and challenges that they have, how do they like to learn and buy? And what do those journeys look like? Who do they trust or who do they don't trust and who are their influencers? I mean, you can imagine when we talk about products and solutions, you know, I kind of lean towards solution sets. If you know who your customer is and you can design, you know, good personas around those folks, it's more than just pulling them out of a analytical model and saying, hey, this cat, you know, should buy this product. It's like, man, this person's got these problems. And we can bring a set of solutions. That's pretty cool. Kind of address everything that we've been talking about on this kind of different changing customer expectations, different expectations mm-hmm. on products. How do you engage them on the front end to get them to buy the product all the way through servicing it? Technology obviously comes into play yeah. and the role of technology to completely support that transformation from external perspective all the way to the back end and to meet those customer demands. And I know we're uh, fortunate enough to be able to work with you on some of that. Mm-hmm. What do you think needs to be considered and how do companies need to look at that full holistic kind of view, Chris? You know, I'm not the technical expert, but at altitude, I can tell you what that theme is all about. And it's uh, leveraging data and the AI tools that the data scientists, and the analysts are going to make actionable in really connected highly nimble and iterative fashion. So, you know, you're talking at minimum, you know, about marketing technology stacks. And we talked about them. You've got the consumer data platform, the content management platform, the content management systems, but they've all got to interact and they've got to interact and talk with your administrative service platforms. You know, we, the, the product we use with you guys is Inspro and all of that stuff's got to talk to each other and it's vital and it's complex and it's potentially very expensive. You've got to really you know, have some good, you know, consulting journeymen along the way here. And they've, you know, in terms of talking to each other, you've got to make sure that they can keep talking to each other over time as upgrades and patches present. I don't care if it's your administrative platform or if it's some CDP platform, something's going to get tweaked to it. And does that throw all of the communication elements out of whack? So you're going to need technology players on your team that can turn this orchestra pit into a symphony. And for us, you know, I know we're going to have to add some people to be able to do that. We've got great people on our current administrative platform side, but having that speak with an enhanced and, you know, super digital marketing capability is quite a different thing. So this all kind of presents change. Change has huge impacts to an organization culturally. So Mm -hmm. Talk about that cultural impact organizationally with regard to your strategy in this journey that you've been on. That is a great question. If you do not have a cultural pillar on your strategic plan, you are making a huge mistake. This 
sort of transformational shift requires associates to think and behave differently, more nimbly. They've got to have a lot of impatience for barriers that are causing CX friction or processes and programs that are moving at slow and inefficient paces. But at the same time, you don't want to sacrifice platform stability or security or compromise customer satisfaction along the way. I mean, there is a change management element that needs to be developed and carefully implemented. There's going to be some folks who will be supporting the core business. You don't want them to feel like they're they're being left out of the, you know, the cool new stuff. They are super valuable to the enterprise. You don't want to have them feel disenfranchised. You're going to have some folks who are going to need to be upskilled or reskilled to meet the needs of the future state. And you're going to have to add some new folks. And they're going to add and integrate into organizational units that might need to change a little bit for optimal performance. But let me tell you, I think if you do that culture component correctly, it can be tremendously energized. And if you're growing the company the way that you hope to grow, it creates all sorts of opportunities for your high performers. It creates all sorts of opportunities for growth of the current employee set. That's where we're headed with that stuff, man. We, we can't move quick enough. Kind of thinking out into the future, even beyond your AGIA 24 strategy, what do you think is going to be the biggest digital change for the industry in the next three to five years? I think it's going to separate the high performers and low performers in our competitive set pretty quickly. If you don't build to where the market's going, uh, you're going to get left behind. And I'd rather be in the front end of that than the back end, that's for sure. It's going to invite some, I think, some new entrants who see opportunities to fill gaps. I think you're going to see some bolt-on acquisitions to enhance capabilities of existing players in the set. We've already started to see that. You know, but for us, we wanted to build and buy initially to put in place what we think is going to be strategically vital. But I, I could see us bolting on some token acquisitions ourselves to enhance certain capabilities out into the future. The point that you made is building for what's coming on mm -hmm. not necessarily what's there. It's kind of the old Wayne Gretzky perspective. The puck is going a certain direction. Are you going to go to the puck or not? And I yep. think that's one of the really important aspects of for companies like yourself, but also companies like ourselves from a software mm -hmm. and providing that uh, technology that you guys are dependent on. If we're not thinking out into the future and building what's going to be needed next, we're not helping you keep uh, abreast of all of that as you're thinking about those things as well. And so these conversations are really important. Yeah, you better believe it. Yep. Good point. So I'd like to end up my conversations with this final question. If you could pick one word or phrase to describe the future of insurance, what would it be and why? Oh, that's a good one. All right. I, I read this recent article from McKinsey. There was this header in there that said the insurance industry is on the verge of a seismic tech driven and AI shift. And that one really uh, stuck with me. So I'm going to say seismic. I bet nobody else says that. You know what? We've done so many podcasts and I yet have had a common a word that everybody's used. Everybody picks a different word, which is fabulous. <laughs> I love it. Well, thank you, Chris, for your time today and your insights. We really appreciate uh, the partnership, the work that we do together. And we are thrilled that you guys have some exciting times ahead of you and looking forward to celebrate with you on all of that success coming forward. Yeah. Thanks, Denise. Thanks for having me on. This is really nice. This podcast is always an interesting one. I'm, I'm keeping up with you out there. Yeah. And I'm looking forward to PIMA next year and what new research that we'll do together again. Yep. Same here. Thank you very much. Thank you. That's it for this week's episode of Future of Insurance Industry Leaders podcast. Subscribe to our market-leading podcast series available wherever you get your podcast from. 
Thank you for listening and be sure to tune in the next time.